Hello, welcome to EVN Talks. My name is Maria Titizian. Joining me today in the studio is Deputy Minister of Economy, Rafael Gevorkian. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me here. You were appointed Deputy Minister back in August of 2021, and today you have a number of interesting and important components that are in your portfolio, including creative industries, which we don't talk uh, enough about in Armenia, light industry, a knowledge-based economy, and cooperation with the EU, among other things. One of the more important things that you're doing is about bringing in highly qualified specialists to work in uh, the different sectors in Armenia. And we were talking earlier that one of the big problems we have today in the country is the labor market isn't meeting the demands of industry today in Armenia. And everybody you speak to is looking for qualified experts. So this is called the BOM, B-O-M project. Uh, let's start with that. How did the idea come about and how is it progressing? Sure. Actually, the issue with labor market uh, is very tough. And wherever we go to speak uh, to any kind of businesses, we can see that there is huge lack of qualified specialists, and not just qualified specialists. In reality, any kind of specialists, especially with this kind of growth in construction, for instance, we have huge deficit in even simple workforce. Uh, and we can see that, especially during last year, quite a large number of migrants came to Armenia to fill in these spots. We can see that, for instance, in delivery services, uh, there are lots of Indians, Russians at times, Iranians. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we can see that there is clear demand and Armenian workforce do not match the needs of the market. We believe that this is a structural issue that we need to solve. On one hand, we have this picture. On the other hand, when we go and talk to people, the regular people from political perspective as well, uh, we can see that people don't like, basically, that there are not enough jobs for them to go work. The question is why we have this issue. And there are a few layers to this. First, uh, probably our social protection uh, services for a very long time were not reformed properly. And we have uh, situations where people are used to certain financial aid uh, from the state, and they just are not motivated at all to go and work, any kind of work. So one layer to it is to reform the social protection services and the government is taking some steps. Our colleagues from respective ministry can give more details about the reform agenda that we have, uh, but both in terms of employment and in terms of uh, demographics, we're currently developing two strategies and uh, both of them focus on economic productivity and how we can uh, really utilize the potential of our people and solve economic problems, and at the same time, unemployment problems in the country. There mm -hmm. should be coordinated actions in these terms. But from your question perspective regarding program that we launched uh, last year in relation to high-qualified specialists, this was, again, market-driven. And we believe that if we want to build a knowledge-based economy, we need international expertise. But I'd like to take a step back and tell you how we uh, thought about these programs. From the very beginning, when we started drafting the government action plan for the next five years in 2021, after the elections, uh, we thought that one of the KPIs uh, should be labor productivity. And I'm personally delegated by our minister to be responsible for uh, labor productivity in the country. For the labor productivity, we decided to do this economic modernization project, which would have three components. First was to help Armenian companies to procure the best technology and best technical solutions 
for their production. This in terms of equipment, in terms of various solutions that they can procure. Uh, we are helping them to do that by easing the access to finance. Uh, we reduced cost of uh, debt Mm-hmm. Uh, for them by subsidizing the interest rates. So nowadays, if any Armenian company would go into the bank to obtain a loan to buy certain equipment, especially if this is for manufacturing, or we recently included some other sectors such as education, healthcare, science, etc., then the government would subsidize most of the interest cost. So basically up to 10 billion drums, which is quite a large number. Government is ready to subsidize during three years, 10 percentage points of interest rates, if we are talking about leasing in Armenian drums. So this was the first step taken by the government. And we can say that currently we have around $150 million portfolio that we accumulated starting April or March, let's say, last year. And uh, all of this is subsidized by the government. So the private businesses go and buy equipment. They modernize their equipment uh, through this subsidy scheme. Uh, The second step was to provide labor that would match the needs to use such uh, sophisticated, let's say, technologies. And uh, we, what we suggested is to subsidize from 20% up to 70% of the salaries of the experts that would be engaged. And who determines um, the criteria for experts? If somebody, for example, is living in Australia or Canada or, the, or Europe or here in Armenia, for example, mm-hmm. there's a set of criteria that they have to fulfill? Sure. In general, all the projects that I'm doing, I'm trying to set it up in a way that there is minimal bureaucracy and very clear rules. So there are no uh, That's a novel thought (laughs) for our country these days. Okay. Yes. There is no uh, kind of governmental judgment evolved whether to subsidize this person or that person or this company or that. It's based on merit. Yeah. Basically, it's based on very specifically defined criteria. In case of uh, highly qualified specialists, we predetermine two kind of pre-qualifying criteria. First is based on education. The second one is based on their work experience. So if the person has graduated from top 400 universities around the world based on QS World University rankings, then the person would qualify for the subsidy, basically. Then how to decide how much we subsidize it would be based on their qualification as well. So if person is a master or bachelor, mm-hmm. we'd subsidize 20%. If the person is PhD, we'll subsidize 50%. And if the person is PhD who is teaching in our university, or is going to teach in our universities... Alongside their yes, job, right? Yes, uh-huh. we'll cumulatively subsidize 70%. And what if the person has a master's degree but has 10 years experience in a global company, for example, abroad. Does that also factor in? The second factor is their job experience. Mm -hmm. And even if the person don't have any qualification, but Mm -hmm. have longstanding experience in top companies, Mm -hmm. and by saying top companies, again, we define what are those companies. So basically, there are a set of indices Mm -hmm. that if a company is part of and set of rankings, uh, for instance, Fortune, Forbes, etc., then uh, they would call. So if the person worked for 10 years for this kind of companies, then again, they will receive 20% subsidy. And how many people have applied and how many people are actually working? To be honest, from implementation perspective, we still have certain hiccups, I'd say. Uh-huh. And uh, we launched the project, let's say, last September. Uh-huh. And during last... Just few, this past September? Yes. Okay. Uh, during the last few months, we were uh, trying to sort out all the implementation-related issue, how the person should apply. Okay, so this is digitized. still in its development uh, phase, we, had, we can uh, say. Last year already, we had a few uh, applicants uh-huh. which were approved. And 
This year, uh, we believe we would have much more. Uh, our target is to have above 200 applicants okay. for the year. And have you targeted specific sectors? When I'm hearing you, I'm thinking, is this again just for the IT sector or does this include other sectors as well? Uh, we don't. We didn't target from the legal perspective. There are no limitations from the sector perspective. However, uh, there are not limitations, but certain incentives towards the sectors that we believe are the most important from the uh, qualification and specialist perspective. For instance, uh, if the person has a PhD, then we subsidize more. Mm -hmm. And the businesses that would need PhDs would basically be more knowledge-driven. And that's how we target kind of knowledge-driven uh, companies. The same goes for universities. If this person goes to the university, then we subsidize more, uh, meaning that we encourage high-qualified specialists to enter into universities. Perhaps a very naive question. You're saying that, for example, based on criteria, it's either 20% or 50% subsidized. Who determines the salary? The employer. The employer. So if the employer says it's $2,000 a month, for example, the person qualifies you, it subsidize half of that. Yes, we set certain limits. So our participation can be up to a certain amount, a few thousand dollars per month. I think mm -hmm. uh, with current rate, probably it's around 5000 oh, Yes, <laughs> we can talk about the current rate <laughs> if you want <laughs> later. Yeah, it's around $5,000 a month. If the person is PhD, then okay. that would be kind of our participation. And if there are companies or individuals who want to apply for the program, where do they find this information? on the economy ministry's website or it's not public yet? Oh, well, from the communication perspective, uh, we have certain <laughs> issues as well. No, the, the program is public. We have it in our website. Okay. Uh, we talk about it on different news. And uh, okay. this is... And here you are talking <laughs> yeah. to us about it too. One of the communication channels. Uh, but definitely we need more coordinated, uh, probably PR strategy for all of our programs. Sure, sure. Uh, speaking of your other programs, we were quite excited about this in the office, and I'm not sure why that the five-year action plan for the development of the textile industry uh, in Armenia any kind of development of industry, I think, excites us uh, these days. But why textile? That's a good question that we get a lot. Whenever you choose any sector, everybody asks why that sector. There are a few angles to that. Basically, we have formed industry during last decade that employs more than 10,000 people. I think last year's figure was around 11,500. And these are uh, jobs primarily in rural regions, uh, primarily focused on females. Uh, so that was one angle to look at it. Second uh, was that uh, the export growth per year for last decade, again, in average, was around 40%. Average growth uh, per yeah, year? Uh, for, for textile. This, of course, we need to consider that the base at the beginning of the decade was almost zero. Right. Uh, so well. the percentage growth, of course, was high. But even if you look at the last year's figures, for instance, in 2022, we had around 15.7% growth in uh, textile exports, uh, which, again, is a significant number with a large base already, because in 2021, we had 180, something like that, a million uh, dollar expert in textiles, and 15% of that, 16% of that is significant growth. So uh, there is growth potential that we clearly see. Third already angle is that uh, because there is based already capacities in Armenia, we can do something with it. And uh, the idea was that if we don't do anything, most probably, as it happened in uh, most of European countries, Western European countries, this apparel industry, it moved towards uh, the countries with lower salaries. And um, here, uh, Armenia, uh, to be honest, uh, doesn't have much of competitive advantage in a sense that from demographic perspective, we are not a young nation. We are 
uh, growing older every year. And as you grow older, you require or expect higher salaries. Yes, the pressure on salaries increases. Right. Yeah. Okay. So from that angle, we could see that in the next 10, 15 years, we would have serious issues in, in these industries. And as there is already formed capacities, we thought that we shouldn't let that go to waste. So our strategy is to increase the value added and increase the productivity of labor in the sector. And uh, when we say increase in value added, we mean that our producers uh, need to offer more and more sophisticated services to their clients. And we can see this movement already is there. We have uh, different programs right now running that help to foster this increase of complexity in terms of production, also increase of uh, complexity in terms of services that they provide to their uh, clients. And for instance, last year we organized uh, Armenian-Italian Business Forum and we took certain uh, producers and designers to Italy. By this, we are kind of promoting Armenian brand uh, in foreign markets to be associated with more complex, more intellectual design, etc. And uh, lots of press coverage we succeeded to ensure uh, on that event. And we can see that that also helped our designers, for instance, to sell more in local markets, which wasn't expected in right, initially. Right. And uh, there are some well-known global brands that are uh, producing part of their collection here in Armenia as well. We were talking about Max Mara, I believe, and there are several others. Yeah. Uh, there, Is it so, a state secret yes, you can tell us? <laughs> no, it's public knowledge, actually. Uh, basically, if you go into uh, shops abroad, uh, you can easily... See, made in Armenia. Yeah, you can easily see that, for instance, boutiques from Montclair, etc., if you enter... Uh, some models mm-hmm. are predominantly made in Armenia. The uh, same goes for Max Mara and some other brands as well. Prada has certain product, production in Armenia. That's right. And we were talking again earlier um, about Armenia's competitiveness in the global markets. And because we have such a small market and because we do have such limited resources, the one thing that we can be competitive in is this high value from designs to agriculture, right? So providing a niche kind of a product to the global market is where we can be competitive. And speaking of that, I think it's a good transition to my next question, which is the development of creative industries, because I think we are largely creative, as it were. And this is a a sector that doesn't get a lot of traction, if you will, or attention from past times. So tell me, how is this development of the creative industries? It's part of your portfolio. What is your vision for this? Yeah, well, that's a very interesting question. It indeed links with our uh, previous discussion on textile. In fact, when we were thinking about light industries in Armenia, such as textile, for instance, uh, leather or uh, shoemaking or... Shoes made in Armenia are the best. I wish you would concentrate. <laughs> and it has a legacy as well. I mean, course, uh, in, in, yeah. in, um, from the Soviet time. Post-Soviet markets, still people come and look for Armenian shoes. Yeah. So uh, we believe there is a potential as well mm-hmm. in that respect. When, when we're thinking about these industries, what we thought is that the key is to value add. The key to value add it would be to add certain design components to what we already produce to make it more complex, both uh, technically, from engineering perspective, and also uh, visually. Uh, so we believe that the creative industries in this respect should be developed when it comes to design. And uh, here, again, the predominantly probably the bigger, bigger question is related to education. We need to have certain decent educational environment in the country for that this has, service. Again, that's the big elephant in the room all the time, isn't it? Because everything sort of 
Yeah, indeed. Trickles back to the educational issue that we have. And whenever we talk with our Ministry of Education guys, everybody's saying, can you do your job, basically? <laughs> Whatever you talk, at the end you come to our door. But that's true. In fact, however we turn, whether it's economy or some other topics, it always comes to education and what we can do to help our private sector and also state educational services to level up. Mm-hmm. And that's a bigger job that we need to do. And uh, if you look, for instance, on our textile strategy, the bigger part of it is concentrated on uh, different educational uh, items that we need to do, including uh, creating certain design school in Armenia that would be uh, competitive in the world market. Right, because if I'm not mistaken, vocational schools were hardest hit after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And, you know, whether it's from cooking to design Uh, to graphic design even. I see I work with young people a lot and there is such creativity and a lot of them are, you know, self-taught or, you know, they they jump into the industry and they try to learn. But imagine if we did have those schools producing high quality and, you know, you keep talking about the efficiency of the labor force. Well, that has to also come from the educational uh, component as well. sure. The vocational education and training uh, topic is mm-hmm. one of the key topics right. uh, for us as well uh, because we see that this mismatch as well when we talked about labor mismatch is coming from uh, absence of certain quality uh, vocational educational services and we need to fill this gap right before coming here i was talking to tumo tumo studios is uh, another interesting project mm-hmm. that uh, we're discussing how to scale it up because we see that kind of pilot succeeded and it's, again, linked to our light and, industries. And what a tool for soft power that we have not uh, exactly. utilized. Of everything from, you know, the performing arts to publishing to art. These are huge tools that we have, you know, an abundance of, and yet we don't utilize it properly. Actually, uh, here I'm already going into state secrets. Okay. <laughs> area. I'm always happy to hear state <laughs> secrets. But when it comes to soft power, we believe that TUMO, with its expansion, the way, it's go- the way it goes now... Definitely, we can... Did you read our article in our Soft Power magazine issue? Is that why you're saying this? <laughs> no, actually, okay. I haven't, but I'll, I'll do that. No, because we did have a, a magazine issue on Soft Power, and uh, Tumo was one of the the examples. Today, we have Tumo you know, opening up from Berlin to Tokyo, to Beirut, Paris. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to switch gears for a second. I know that we're running out of time, but we live in a very interesting country, I would say. Post-war turmoil continues, trauma continues. We have the enemy not at the gate, but in our on our territory. And yet last year, we saw double-digit economic growth for the first time since 2007. Now, granted, we also have to understand that this had a lot to do uh, perhaps with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But at the same time, we're seeing 68% increase in international trade. We had huge growth in IT, in banking, GDP, 12.5%. How is this sustainable? Well, that's a great question, actually. Uh, for the last year, definitely, there was already a good dynamics. If you look at the economic numbers, even from the beginning of the year, in January, February, even before uh, the, the war. war started, there was already good dynamics in the economy. However, uh, definitely, uh, the geopolitical situation created certain new challenges and new opportunities for Armenian economy. And uh, the question is how you utilize those opportunities and whether you take maximum out of it. Uh, We believe that during last year, different programs that we have done supported growth in the economy and supported these, let's say, migrants Mm -hmm. uh, to come and uh, to 
create new jobs in Armenia. Basically, when we're thinking about migrant flow that we had into Armenia of highly qualified workforce, this equals to about 1 billion uh, USD investments that we haven't seen in statistics as an investment because it's not physical capital expenditures, uh, but rather uh, human capital that inflow. For instance, if we were to create one uh, such job in Armenia, such specialists in Armenia, we would spend 10 years and maybe more than 100,000 to uh, be able to educate that kind of specialists. And we had this from Russia uh, movement into Armenia, which helped a lot. However, the environment uh, that uh, the government created uh, through anti-corruption reforms, through different economic reforms that uh, we have done, different support programs, including the High Qualified Specialist Program, I personally talked to quite uh, a few employees uh, that moved to Armenia who were highly interested in this kind of support mechanism. Because when we talk about top 400 universities, uh, it's wide range of universities and it includes certain larger universities in the region as well. Uh, so from that angle, uh, we believe that the opportunity was there. Uh, during last year, we were able to utilize it, not to our best, but still we took some part of it. And then uh, we believe that if uh, we continue structural reforms that we have started, including uh, support mechanisms for creation of uh, knowledge-based jobs, high-qualified jobs, uh, labor productivity, etc., entrepreneurship different programs that this migrant force can create in Armenia, definitely this would become sustainable. Unless we probably do all the right things in uh, coming few years, this won't be sustainable. If we don't do the right things. Yes, government action plan that we have started implementing we believe that addresses most of the issues that we need to address in order for any international, let's say digital nomad or any international entrepreneur to feel comfortable in Armenia. Because that's, in general, that's our goal. Uh, for Armenia to be a comfortable place to work for any global individual. Absolutely. Create the conditions for people to be able to come and and function and, yes, and work. Exactly. And that's what we are aiming to do. Basically, all our programs are aimed to create environment. We don't target specific businesses. We don't target uh, specific individuals, but we target to create environment uh, that would help global entrepreneurs, high qualified specialists to feel welcomed and to feel at ease when doing different interactions with whether it's with banking center, with government, mm -hmm. or with mm -hmm. other institutions. All right. Well, Rafael Kevorkian, thank you so much. Uh, as a reminder, my guest was the deputy minister, is the deputy minister of economy. Thank you for talking to us about these interesting initiatives and interesting programs that you are running currently at the ministry. Thank you.